Good morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. We're all enjoying the first official weekend of summer. But for some of us, the enjoyment got off to an early start. They're the folks who work at companies that tell employees to take Friday off. And their ranks are growing. Connor Knighton will report our cover story. Happy Friday! This summer, more and more companies are finding that giving their employees a little bit less of this and a little bit more of this can actually be good for the bottom line. At the end of the day, that creates a more loyal employee, a more engaged employee, and you get a really good return from it. If it was a Wednesday afternoon at this time, where would you be? <laughs> at work. <laughs> summer Fridays, ahead this Sunday morning. We'll have those stories and more just ahead. The words take Friday off may sound like a fantasy to some of us, but for a growing number of employees, those words are a summertime reality. Our cover story is reported by Connor Knighton. The hands on the office clock always seem to move a little slower on a Friday afternoon especially during the summer. Outside, it's gorgeous, and the last place anyone wants to be is stuck inside an office, waiting for 5 p.m. to finally start the weekend. But this summer, graphic designer Jim Desard will be kicking things off a little early. He'll be spending every other Friday at his summer home in Maryland, tinkering in his garage, building clocks instead of watching one. I'd love to be in my studio. It's, you know, borrowed time, if you will. It's, you know, I don't owe the office any more time that week. I don't owe my family, my friends. I can just go in my studio and create and just be me. Desard's not playing hooky. He is encouraged to take the day off by Washington, D.C. architecture firm HOK. After working slightly longer hours Monday through Thursday, Desard can take advantage of an increasingly popular perk, a summer Friday. Summer Fridays when companies let their employees leave early on Fridays during the summer. We've just seen a huge increase in the number of companies that are offering it. Brian Kropp is HR practice leader at research firm Gartner. Last year, they surveyed Fortune 1000 companies and found that 42% offer some type of Summer Friday, up from 21% just two years prior. The companies that have made the decision to give this benefit are giving it every summer because they see it's valuable. From Memorial Day to Labor Day, L'Oreal's headquarters shuts down at 1.30 p.m. sharp. The beauty company has been allowing its New York City employees to beat the weekend rush out of the city for the past two decades. It's a tradition that's thought to have started with Manhattan advertising and publishing firms back in the 1960s. But now, employers all across the country, everyone from Nike in Oregon to Mercury Marine in Wisconsin, have started offering a version of the perk. And it is not just out of the goodness of their hearts. What they found is by giving their employees a little bit of time back and giving them that gift of time, they like their employer much more. They actually become much more loyal, they work harder, they're more committed to their organization, and it really shows that their employer cares about them and wants them to have a great work-life balance. The worker bees in Erica Thumb's colony need tending to, and it's a chore this landscape architect is only able to accomplish on her occasional Fridays off. I'm gonna take that day to weed the garden and check on the hives, see how the queens are doing, and pull some of the honey frames and do some extracting. 
Her hobby is honey. When she's back at the office in D.C., she sits a few desks away from colleague Oliver Vranish, who uses his bonus hours to hang out with his little sister. What's this one? A banana. Bananas? One Friday at a time, he's been writing a children's book for her. And right about now, I'm sure many of you have started writing a why don't we get summer Fridays off email to your bosses, and that's kind of the point. I assume you have friends at, at other companies, other industries who don't have this perk. Oh yeah, I like to just brag it in their face all the time if I can. <laughs> Take a peek on Instagram and Twitter on Friday afternoons, and you'll see happy employees gloating about their bonus hours. It's a perk that can be used as a recruiting tool. The big idea here is that work-life balance has become so much more important for employees nowadays. It's one of the biggest reasons why people join one company. It's one of the biggest reasons why they quit their current company. Happy Friday! Perhaps no company loves Fridays more than TGI Fridays. This is what the Dallas headquarters of the restaurant chain looks like starting at 2 p.m. on any Friday, no matter what season it is. It's invaluable time. It's all year long, every Friday. I think we've started calling it Endless Fridays now. Caroline Masulo, <laughs> in addition to being the resident DJ, is also a vice president at the company. After an hour of cocktails, everyone, including the CEO, heads out the door. Out on the lake, Masulo's able to get a head start on the weekend with her family. If it was a Wednesday afternoon at this time, where would you be? <laughs> at work. <laughs> so Probably like driving home from work, sitting in traffic, so this is a nice change for sure. Since Friday afternoons are typically the most unproductive part of the week, giving this time off doesn't necessarily cost companies that much. But the return can be priceless. I think it's less about the three hours of time and more so, at least for me, it says something about this brand and the way that they value individuals' personal time. So you are all of them. It's worth noting, this is a perk mostly reserved for white-collar workers. The staff at TGI Friday's restaurants certainly don't get the afternoon off. No matter how popular this perk becomes, there are some jobs where you simply can't take off on a Friday afternoon. Recording track, take three. Especially not if you work on a show that airs on Sunday mornings. And now a page from our Sunday morning almanac, June 24th, 1771, 247 years ago today. The day E.I. DuPont was born in Paris. The son of a socially prominent watchmaker, DuPont and his brother fled to America during the French Revolution. In 1802, he set up a gunpowder factory on the banks of the Brandywine River near Wilmington, Delaware. Creating a business that helped arm the U.S. military during the War of 1812 and other wars that followed. Over time, the DuPont Company expanded from munitions to chemicals and consumer products of all kinds. As this 1936 corporate film explains. Every year, DuPont buys from the farm, from the mine and the forest, vast quantities of materials to be converted by industry into products that provide better things for better living. 
perhaps the best known of all the products DuPont has made are nylon stockings. First put on sale in 1940, with eager buyers lined up around the block. After more than two centuries as an independent company, DuPont merged with Dow Chemical last year, but only briefly. By the middle of next year, Dow DuPont plans to unmerge by splitting into three separate companies, each specializing in a different line of products. Whatever would that long ago founding DuPont make of that? Before there were podcasts, there was television. Remember? See what's new under the sun every Sunday morning. Steve Hartman has a lesson in generosity to teach us all. What you want? No matter what you order from school cafeteria worker Deborah Davis. I have a Caesar salad. I have chicken patty, chicken and rice. Every meal comes with a sweetie pie. All right, sweetie pie. You're welcome. Auntie Deborah, as she's known here at Hoover High School, doles out a heaping helping of hospitality every lunch hour. You're welcome, sweetie. And this is just her first course of kindness. See y'all tomorrow. After serving food all day, I come out here. After lunch, Deborah drives her beat-up 76 Chevy Malibu all over San Diego, looking for hungry homeless people. Hey, babe! How are you? Looks like she's okay. No, she's not. Deborah says she's never met a homeless person who wasn't starving for her home cooking. Come on, tell them over there to come on and eat. On this day, she served more than 50 multi-course meals. You got fork, curry chicken and rice, collard greens, a smoked turkey. All at her own chicken, expense. Uh, barbecue ribs. Yeah. Are you broke? No. I took that as a yes. You're spending money you don't have. Yes, but, I, but you don't understand the joy that I get from feeding people. Tomorrow's spaghetti and meatballs, okay? Because Deborah is so selfless. Thank you for joining us. Recently, the school district invited her down to the auto shop, surprised her with friends and family, and some better wheels to deliver those meals. This 2014 Mazda 3 was refurbished by an auto body class in the district. But to Deborah, it was like mint. Look, I'm not used to a new car, y'all. She was so flabbergasted. What do I do? She didn't even know where to start. Literally. Oh, okay. <laughs> what does it mean to you that faculty, the staff, the kids all wanted you to have this gift? <laughs> that I'm making a difference in their life, you know? I was looking for my reward in heaven, and y'all gave me a little bit here on earth. <laughs> heaven on earth for a woman who has always had room in her heart. Yeah. Just now. Look at that. More trunk space. Three aluminum pans this size. And I got tinted windows. Some recent events have touched essayist and novelist Roger Rosenblatt in a way few others have. Every once in a while, we are reminded that all politics is personal and that political acts and thoughts have people at the center of them. I'm thinking, of course, of the abomination at the Texas border, 
the forced separation of children from parents with children placed in cage-like structures. What began as a matter of national debate soon was concentrated down to children's cries in the dark. Not Watergate, not Irangate, not Monica Lewinsky, nothing since Vietnam has raised the nation's temperature as steeply as this issue. Why is that? One of the hairs being split in the current discussion is whether to regard the captured Latin American families as illegals or refugees. The implication being that refugees are more deserving of humane treatment than illegals. But deep down, I don't think we care about that. I think we look at the caged little girls and boys and their folks purely as people, irrespective of status. A lot of happy people. The president backed away from his initial hard line because he understood that's the way we see it. To be fair to him, he may have begun to see it that way himself. Whenever we observe a child in distress, our hearts respond to more than a victim, I think. More than to an image of our own kids to whom we draw sentimental comparisons. In children, we acknowledge, perhaps unconsciously, the possibility of our improvement. Redemption. A second chance. It's wishful thinking, to be sure. Still, the plight of the helpless child strangely improves us. We want to hold these kids, to bring them the care and kindness that still resides at the center of our being, however often we ignore it. Our better angels. This is why I believe the emotional tumult attending this crisis has been so loud and relentless. We see people at the center of the politics, children. In the dark, they cry for us. Coming soon, Mobituaries, a podcast on matters of death and life from Mo Rocca. I'm Jane Pauley. Thank you for listening. And please join us again next Sunday morning.